Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, we're glad to have you. Uh, it's always like this. I'd say it's not, but it kind of is. It's all right. I'm a pretty casual person myself, but uh, I want to mention as other people have said, uh, last night's Devo with the Patricia Baskets was awesome. We, we had people kind of of all ages. The kids had a lot of fun. Some of the kids had maybe too much fun. Um, a lot of games were played, and it was just really cool seeing people of all ages kind of commit to uh, uh, spending time to serve others, because that's kind of what it was all about, and everyone sort of pitched in to make the baskets happen. Uh, so a special thanks to some of those who brought food or snacks or helped with the, the stuff that got put in the baskets, uh, but we just had a really good time. In uh, kind of in a similar vein, I guess, uh, last week, we talked last week about giving. And I mentioned toward the end of our lesson last week, almost as like an add-on, uh, that giving, specifically in the context of our offering, is not intended for visitors or for outsiders, but specifically for members of the body of Christ. And so we've been talking about this idea of kingdom and what it means for the church to be Christ's kingdom going back several weeks now. Uh, but I, I realize it seems necessary uh, for us to talk about specifically about church membership. And so that's what we're going to kind of start talking about this morning. Um, we, we've spent many weeks, like I said, over the last few months talking about just the, the church as the body of believers as the spiritual kingdom of God and, and what that means for us to be Christ kind of working on earth or reflected on earth. Uh, but I, I realize just that we've never talked specifically about what it means to be a member of Christ's church. So over the next really few weeks, we're going to be talking about questions and scriptures pertaining to this idea of church membership. Uh, but the first question I want us to answer, or at least begin to answer this morning, is really what is the church? Because we can talk all day about what's required of members or what's expected of members or, or what the expectations and the process of membership is. But if we don't really know what we're a part of, that really doesn't matter. And certainly someone can't join something that, that they don't understand what they're committing to. So uh, before we even get into membership, we really need to talk about what is the church, because these two ideas are very closely linked. And we'll see as we dig into our lesson this morning uh, how that kind of unfolds. So we're going to begin our, our study, our search this week, by asking what is the church. And uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew 16. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew 16, verse 18. Is a very famous verse. It's actually the first usage of the word church in the Bible. And we'll get to the context of that in a moment. Because I think really the church can be identified, at least in the Bible, it can be identified by three things. And we're going to focus on one of these this morning. But we can first be identified by our terminology. I know that's a kind of a, a higher level kind of way of thinking about it, but we, we can be identified by the way we talk about things. I've, I've heard people say this is we talk about Bible concepts using Bible language. We talk, you know, we call people elders, we call them deacons. Why? Because that's what the Bible calls them. And so we, we can be identified by our terminology. We can also be identified by what I call our source, which is really our source of doctrine. By what we believe, and not only what we believe, but where we get what we believe. Of course, the source of our doctrine is the Bible. It is Jesus. It is God's Word. It is all of Scripture. We can third be identified by our purpose. What do we do? Why do we do it? Jesus tells us very clearly. He tells the church what their purpose is. But we're going to begin this morning talking about the idea of terminology. Because as I mentioned, there's a lot of terms that are specific to the church. You probably don't hear someone called a deacon or a presbyter outside the context of the church. 
And so there's a lot of terms in Scripture that are specific to the church, and really the church can be identified by the, the words that they use. But more specifically this morning, we're really going to focus in on uh, what it means to be the church or what is the church. Where does this word come from? What, is it, what, what do we mean when, when I even use the word church? What am I talking about? And so we'll talk about not just what the Bible means by that, but probably a lot of the misconceptions that we might have or that we've heard or that sort certainly float out there. As we begin to dig into our lesson this morning, uh, I want to again just mention, I know I said this last week, but if, if you have questions about anything we talk about, I know we have the invitation at the end, but if you just have questions, if you have concerns, if you, have, if you want more information, we have a lot of different ways to do that. Um, you can call or text me personally. You can email me. You can write me a letter if that's still your thing. Um, if you're on Facebook, the church messenger on Facebook, if you message the church Facebook page, that actually uh, I can get and respond to those too. So if, you, if something is said that is not clear, I, I, I beg you to utilize one of the many avenues for feedback that we have because I don't let yourself just stay confused about something. What we talk about is really too serious for something like that, to let those kind of things go unanswered or un. Addressed. And truthfully, if like six of y'all ask me a question, it's the same question. That's probably something I should address it in a group setting because that means there's plenty more people who have that question who aren't asking it. So uh, I just want to remind everybody I encourage that. And please, if, if you feel the need to follow up something or ask on something, please uh, make that note. Please, please, please. And I say that again on this particular morning because if you haven't noticed yet already, we are digging pretty deep. Um, I, I normally don't like unpacking the, the issue of language or translations in, in Sunday morning. I, I feel like that's a direction I usually reserve for class, when we can kind of have a back and forth, when we can have a discussion, when questions can be answered about it. But this morning, uh, in particular, any proper discussion uh, on the meaning of the word church and what it means to be the church, we have to talk about this word and how we got here and what on earth uh, the church even means. And so I want to start by saying our, our English word church, it comes from this Greek word ekklesia. And again, stay with me. We won't be on the language bit for too long. But it, it's become increasingly common or trendy in certain churches or in certain circles to kind of use this word to talk about a certain ministry or a certain service. I've heard of church organizations called ecclesia. It's becoming kind of trendy in the last few years to, to write books and things like that on this topic. So, so you may have seen this word before. You may have heard it before. But our English word church comes from this Greek word ecclesia. And what ecclesia literally means, what it literally means is a called out group or a specific assembly. It's truthfully, it's really similar to our English word congregation. Now you may have noticed that your Bible, 95 out of 100 times, does not use any of those words I just said. So there might be a point of confusion. That's why we're talking about this. Our Bibles normally say church. Because when the Bible was first brought into English, there was a decision made to translate this word ecclesia as church. And as to why that decision was made, that is a very worthy discussion that we don't even begin to have time for this morning. But the problem with that is that, as you and I both know, the word church already had a different meaning. It already meant a building or a physical place of worship. And so a problem arose where now we have one word that has two meanings. And as you, it's probably the meaning we're most familiar with. It's certainly the meaning I would say most of the world is familiar with. If you just look, about our, look at our language and the way we talk about church and the way we use the word church, most people generally refer to the building. But I'm talking about all this because I, I want us to understand that no matter how we use it, 
when Jesus uses the word church, when the Bible uses the word church, when scripture talks about church, it is always talking about a group of people. It is never talking about a building. And we have to have a discussion rooted in that. And in fact, if there's kind of an inside joke in the Church of Christ. That if you've been in a Church of Christ for any period of time, you have heard the expression that the church is not the building. But there is a deeper, really, study and understanding needed because that, that has so many implications aside from just being sort of petty in our language, which is how it sounds at first, right? When you're saying, okay, the church is the people, it's the building, but why does it, why does it matter? We'll get to that. Because I think it reflects some some inner understanding and some perceptions of the church when we don't understand how the Bible uses the word church. But I need us to understand that even though these two meanings kind of float out there, when Jesus uses the word church, when the Bible uses the word church, it is never, ever talking about a building. We actually use this word incorrectly. Like It, it is wrong of me to say I am going to church. And I know that's an expression we use all the time, but like it is actually incorrect to me to say I'm going to church because the church is not a location. Another way I kind of hear people get it wrong is they talk about church like it's an event or it's an activity. You, know, you've, you may have heard people kind of on the outside say, well, this is why I don't go to church anymore. Well, that doesn't make sense either. We have worship. We have Bible class. We have Sunday school. We, we as the church certainly do things. But the way Jesus talks about the church is that it's not an event or an activity you can choose to engage or disengage with. Understand that once, once you have had a changed heart and been baptized and been put into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and been added to the church as described in Acts 2.47, you, you don't stop being the church. So the church is not an activity that we can kind of engage or disengage with any more than if any of us get mad at our parents. I can go home and say, you are no longer my father and my mother. I can disown them. They can write me out of the will. We can we can stop associating. We can stop fellowshipping, we would say. But it doesn't change the fact that I was born into a certain kind of relationship with both of my parents. And it's actually the same language that Jesus uses to talk about salvation in John 3, 5. It's where we get the phrase, obviously, a born-again Christian, some people use. And so if we are a Christian, if we've truly had that change of heart and repented and, and been baptized and are obedient to him, we, we have a relationship with him that we don't get to choose to just disengage with like we would uh, dinner plans or afternoon tea. And this is really why I say we have to talk about what the church is and what it means to be a member of the church at the same time. Because again, understand, if you, if you make some changes in your life and you decide to stop fellowshipping with the church, to start maybe making some personal decisions that we would consider a little bit out of line, and you stop associating, you don't just stop becoming a Christian. I've heard a lot of people in that situation say, well, I just don't go to church anymore. I'm not a part of the church anymore. Well... You may be a Christian that needs to repent. We, we might really want you to come back home and be in fellowship with us, but, but understand, like you don't, once you've come to a knowledge of Christ, you don't have to be baptized again. You don't have to be saved again. You might need to repent and, and kind of turn back and, and re-fellowship and re-associate with the church. But understand, if, if you are falling away, you will be judged as one, as a Christian who has kind of gone astray. But... You will not be judged as one who never had knowledge of God in the first place. And scripture makes it clear those are two very different states to be in. 
And so you understand, as we sort of talk about the implications, it's, it's very important that we understand that the church is not a building and it's not an activity that we can choose to engage or disengage with. That's why it's so important that when we talk about the Lord adding somebody to the church, as Galatians 3.27 says, this is very, very big deal. And again, I, I know it might sound like this morning, if, if you don't know me, it might just sound like I'm being pedantic or that I'm somebody who just really loves English grammar. I can assure you that is not the case. I'm not an English teacher, Lord willing, I never will be. But how we use these words matters. Because how we talk about the church reflects how we think about the church, how we view the church. It ultimately impacts how we engage and we interact as the church. And it matters. It matters a lot. So, if I say all these things are wrong, or they're incorrect, or they're, they're not really fully accurate, then the natural question is, well, what is accurate? And the answer to that is simple. What does the Bible say about it? What did Jesus say about it? I mentioned the scripture earlier, Matthew 16, 18. It is the first time the word church is used in the Bible. So let's turn there. In the context, just for reference in Matthew 16, we're only going to read a couple verses just for the sake of time. But he, he's asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they tell him what's kind of the word around town is. They tell him, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say another prophet. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? This is where Peter gives his amazing, just profound answer in verse 16. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I mentioned as we were setting up the context, this is the first time the word church is used in the Bible. It's the first time scripture uses this word. This, this means that necessarily the church, as Jesus is saying, began with him. That, that before Jesus, there was not the church. There was temples, there were synagogues, there were things we would call types or shadows or foreshadowing of the church. But there was, there was not the church until Jesus. When Jesus came, Jesus began a whole new thing. A whole new and very separate entity. So the church begins with Jesus. If I say the church begins with Jesus, not only did nothing before him was the church, but it also means no one can come after him and claim to have started the church. I'm sure there's a group of very faithful, uh, I tend to say young men, maybe they were young at the time. I'm sure there's a group of very faithful families who at one point in time planted the Dover Church of Christ, but understand they did not start the church. So no one can come after Jesus and claim to have started the church. And in an academic setting, we would call that plagiarism. If I take credit for something that I did not do, that somebody else did before me. So that means not Pope Leo I or Martin Luther or John Wesley or John Calvin or Joseph Smith. No one else can have claimed to started the church if Jesus started the church. Hebrews 12 calls Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the beginning and the end of where we get everything. So the church begins with Jesus. Jesus built the church. As he says in his language, he says, I will build my church. So as we talk about our terminology, understand that this is 
not just about the word church and about what we call ourselves. Uh, you may have noticed as you came in this morning, there was a sign out front, right? There was a sign that said the Dover Church of Christ. That is a statement of belonging. Jesus said, I will build my church. So the church necessarily belongs to Christ. Belongs to Christ. And that, dis- that sign, despite what we might think and what people might call us and how we might kind of talk about it, that sign actually doesn't refer to the four walls of the sanctuary or the windows or the classrooms or the, the pews or the carpets. It, it actually doesn't talk about the building. It, it talks about the people who meet at that building, the, the people who belong to Christ, who have chosen to worship at that particular location. That's why every now and then you'll see churches that say the Church of Christ meets here. I love those signs. They confuse everybody else, but I, I kind of love them. <laughs> because the church is not the building. A couple chapters later, when Jesus is talking about dealing with those who were caught in sin in Matthew eighteen sixteen, he says, If a man will not listen, take him before the church. He's not saying take a sinner and go put him in front of walls, right? He's not saying drag him into the outhouse where we worship. He's... He's actually saying, take him before those that belong to Christ. Those who are assembled in the name of Christ. Those who are called out in the name of Christ. If you remember our word, what that word ecclesia actually means. Those who are assembled in his name. Those that belong to Christ, they are the church. And if we think about it, this... This makes a little bit of sense with how we do things because, of course, there are those who are in the church who are not physically with us this morning. They're sick. A number of sick people were mentioned this morning. They're shut in. Maybe for some reason they're, they're not fellowshipping with us. But just because they're not in this physical location does not mean they have stopped being the church. In fact, in fact, there are also members of the church who are worshiping at other congregations. Either because they've chose to just go somewhere else or they've, in some cases, maybe they've led astray. But just, just like walking into this building doesn't make you a Christian, walking into another building does not make you not a Christian. And I understand that that's a, we might call a controversial statement that we might have a lot of questions on that might, I'm not saying anything else besides what I'm actually saying. I don't want to get into a slippery slope kind of debate. But if walking into this building is not what saves us, also understand that walking into other buildings is not what condemns us. We need to be careful about our terminology. And I keep going back to this this distinction between members of the church and the church building because there are actually even people worshiping with the church of Christ who who are... who are in buildings that look like ours, that have signs just like ours, that probably have a worship surface that looks an awful lot like ours. There are people worshiping with the church of Christ who are actually not members of the church. And this very confusing idea of how we treat membership can sometimes confuse that. Because I'm not just talking about visitors. I know many, many people who are worshiping with the church of Christ, but they, they won't go anywhere else. But they're not members. In fact, in some cases, these are people who have been going to the same buildings for decades. And some of them say because, well, because their dad went there, because their granddad went there, because their families started that church. But the problem is they're not committed to Christ. They are committed to a building. I know many, many people who have made the mistake of committing themselves to a building and not to Christ. 
That's a commitment that's based on a misunderstanding of what Jesus says when he calls us the church. If we go back to Matthew 16, in verse 24, Jesus tells his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A Christian is a person who follows Christ, who is obedient to Christ, who has become obedient to his word. That's what makes someone a part of the church. That's, that's who the church is. It is those who follow Jesus. This also means when I'm deciding where I go for worship in the morning, I don't choose the place that's closest to my house. I don't choose the place with the nicest building or the largest TVs or the nicest classes or the, or the best things that I like or don't particularly like or that I prefer. Uh, it means I don't even choose somewhere because they have a wonderful young minister with a beautiful baby one-year-old boy. Because that's not how we find the church. We mentioned this last week, but when we, when we talked about giving, we talked about how a lot of people like to say things like, well, I think God would blank. That's really nice. When the scriptures talk about judgment day, it's very clear that what we think and what we feel and what we just kind of want does not really matter on the scale of what Jesus calls us to do, what God calls us to do. And so when we talk about worshiping with the church or finding the church or looking for the church, understand that the church is those who follow Christ. Just as I said, many people are committed to buildings. The unfortunate reality of our very, I would say, figurehead-driven mentality in our society and where we kind of tend to worship idols, I know many people who are committed to a preacher. That's why when a preacher leaves, church is split. Because those were people who were committed to a building or they were committed to an individual. They were not committed to Christ. And if someone is committed to Christ and to Christ first and foremost, understand that that is, that is not someone who has to worry about what they're doing on Sunday. Because they understand that God calls us to worship with like-minded people, as was actually mentioned in class this morning. Like-minded individuals who follow Christ. So in the church... The people who follow Jesus are there. We are there. I know we're going a lot of different places with this. I want to look at just one more verse this morning. And we'll go ahead and put a pin in this for now. We'll revisit what it means for Jesus to be our source and what it means for the Bible to be our source of doctrine at a later date. But in Acts 4.12, Jesus said, or I'm sorry, Peter. Peter is actually giving a sermon in Acts 4. And he says, this Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation exists in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus says, the stone that you have rejected is the cornerstone. I know we lo I know I have a lot of men who are in building who used to be in things like concrete finishing, construction. Everything that you build on top of that cornerstone matters. Every part of that structure, a part of that, that creation, it depends on how that first stone is laid. And Peter tells us in Acts 4.12, Jesus, he actually is quoting Isaiah, but he says, Jesus is the cornerstone. And he says, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 
what we call ourselves matters. I know when I said earlier that if we, you know, it's not the building that saves us, but I do want to say what we call ourselves matters. Because if the church belongs to Christ and the church is actually not a building, but it's a body of people who follow Christ, well, then it naturally makes sense for us to call ourselves the church of Christ. This is kind of what I call the what else argument. The church is bought and paid for by Jesus, as 1 Corinthians 6.19 tells us. If the church belongs to him because he built it, he is the establisher of it in Matthew 16.18. And if the church is a body of people who follow him, and according to Matthew 18.16, what else could you call the church? Who else could you possibly name the church after? But... It is not what we call ourselves that make us the church. Do you understand? Just like going to the correct building, I say correct, but just like going to a certain building, just like being in a location with other like-minded individuals doesn't automatically make you a member of the church. Just because you call yourself a member of the church does not make you a member of the church. And this is where sometimes in our evangelism and our studies and our interactions with people, sometimes we get confused. Because I would say there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who if I sat down and had a conversation with them on what the Bible means by that word, I would probably not agree with them. I can go to a restaurant and they can ask me, what, you know, the table, I'm going to put a reservation on the wait list. They can ask me my name. And in fact, I do this all the time. I almost never tell people my name, Terrence. I almost always go by middle name James. Why? Nobody knows how to spell Terrence the first time. I've never once given them the name Terrence and then said, ah, oh, yes, let me write that down right away. So just for a matter of convenience, I always go by my middle name, James. Same thing if I'm at your favorite coffee shop. Way more likelihood chance of getting James spelled right than Terrence. I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> but I say that to say it does not matter how many times I represent myself to other people in my public goings about as James, I could call myself Thompson all day long, but that does not change my birth certificate. It does not change what my parents decided and ordained to name me. There are people who call themselves Christians who are not members of the church. Because what we call ourselves is actually not what makes us the church. Like the other scriptures that we've read this morning, it is still about what we do. It is about taking up our cross and following Him. I mentioned Galatians 3.27 because that is when he uses this terminology that Christ or that the Lord adds you to the church. Paul talks often about being buried and resurrected with Jesus in baptism. But there are also many, many other scriptures that talk about what the life of a Christian looks like. If you are joined to the church then your life looks like the way the Bible describes it. This also means, if it's not about what we call ourselves, it's not about where I go, if it's not about a location, it also means I don't evaluate someone else's salvation based on where they go to worship. And stay with me here. I know that sounds a little tricky. But truthfully, if I understand Matthew 7 and Matthew 3.12 correctly, I don't understand, I don't judge someone else's salvation ever. That's why I know there's a lot of people that do. You really won't hear me say, you're going to hell if. Now the Bible uses that terminology every now and then, don't misunderstand me. 
I'm not going to sit up here and misrepresent and tell you you can live a certain way and be fine. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give someone a false sense of security. But when it comes to judging and evaluating other people's salvation, we are not called. In fact, not only not called to do that, we're called explicitly not to do that. We speak where the Bible speaks and we are silent where the Bible is silent. We preach the word and let people respond how they want to respond. But if it's not a building, if it's not an activity, it means I cannot evaluate even my own salvation based purely on where I attend and worship. What that means is kind of like the same thing we've talked about for a couple weeks now. Is That means showing up to what you think the right location is is not enough. Because that's not what the Bible calls being the church. The church is not a group of people who show up. The church is not a group of people who check off a list of what they think being a Christian looks like. We could look at so many other verses on this topic, but if we just look at the ones we stuck with today, Jesus says, It is those who deny themselves who take up their cross and follow him. What makes you a part of the church is denying yourself, taking up your cross, whatever that looks like in your individual life, and following Jesus. And Jesus tells the disciples over and over and over, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Which also means, buried in there, by the way, means we have to know his commandments. We have to be familiar with his word. We have to be familiar with his teachings. Full obedience to the word of Christ. I know we typically think of this, and we're probably trained to think of this in a very simple kind of steps of salvation way. It's certainly part of it. Yes, you have to repent. Yes, you have to hear the word. Yes, you necessarily have to be baptized based on the number of scriptures that talk about conversion. But it does not stop there. We have to be a people who are obedient to everything Jesus calls us to be. That's what church membership is. We began this morning and I said we were going to talk about what it is to be the church. And how the church represents a sense of belonging and it's a statement of who we belong to, who has paid for our salvation. And so as we close, I want to ask another question, and that is, do you belong to Christ? If you've not made that decision to commit your life to him, to repent from your way of living and be buried with him in baptism, now is the time. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing? God is calling the prodigal come without delay.